Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back to the Tom Harbin Program, broadcasting on commercial radio stations from coast to coast on Sirius XM all across the North American continent, on Pacifica stations across America, Europe, and Africa, on American Forces Radio, and every U.S. military base in the world, and your electronic device via TuneIn, Progressive Voices, Tom Hartman app, and simulcast as television via Free Speech TV Network on Dish Network, DirecTV, and cable systems all over the country. Some of the pressing issues, or probably the most pressing issue that we're all confronting right now, is the sober realization by the rest of the world, number one, by the American political system, number two, you had a bunch of Republicans running around going, I haven't had time to read the whistleblower report, by the American people, and even by a few people over at Fox so-called news that we've got a mob boss in the White House. We've got a criminal, a serial criminal, and an incompetent one. It's like the gang that can't shoot straight in the White House. And he's got all these people around him who are trying to cover up for him, including Bill Barr, who you know successfully covered up for Reagan and Bush. He thought, hey, I can do this. I've done it before. Ain't working now. And you know, you got people, uh, lawyers over there saying, oh, well, let's put this you know, evidence of what uh, Peter DeFazio yesterday on the floor of the House of Representatives called treason. And I agree with him. I mean, how, how, what else can you call it when, when, a, uh, you know, when the President of the United States goes to a foreign official and says, you know, you know, hey, nice little country you got there. Be ashamed if something happened to it if you don't get me some dirt on my political opponent. Maybe this is a matter of definitions, and maybe treason isn't quite the right word. I mean, the Republicans are all flipped out because Peter DeFazio used this word on the floor of the House, saying, take that back. There actually is a rule. One of the House rules is that you cannot speak disparagingly of other federal officers, of other, you know, other elected officials. I remember when Cynthia McKinney back... Geez, 10 years ago, was it, Sean, thereabouts? About a decade ago. It was when uh, George Bush was president, and maybe even more than 10 years ago. 
And I wrote an op-ed that was published first on Common Dreams that called out Dick Cheney and said that Dick Cheney had committed crimes, that Dick Cheney was a criminal, a war criminal specifically is what I called him. And Cynthia McKinney went to the floor of the House of Representatives and read this out loud and into the record. And about halfway through when it got, and she's reading my piece, and about halfway through it gets to the point where I call Dick Cheney a war criminal. And the, whoever was up at the speaker's chair, you know, they, they rotates, uh, starts banging his gavel and saying, you are out of order. You know, you may not do that. You may not say that. And she just keeps reading. And a couple of guys came out and dragged, literally dragged her off the floor of the house as she continued reading this piece. She came on this show a day or so later to talk about it. Um, I think that was the first time that we'd ever talked. But there is this rule that you may not disparage. Now, calling Dick Cheney a war criminal, I would say that that's simply accurate. It's simply the truth. Dick Cheney is a war criminal, as is George W. Bush, as were many of the senior administration officials in his administration. It's amazing to me to watch Condi Rice get her image rehabilitated. She's a war criminal. And just like Donald Trump is a traitor. He's not serving the interests of his country. He's serving his own personal interests. He's serving the interests of other countries. And now what we've got is this worldwide oligarchy that has emerged, that you've got billionaires in the United States funding and encouraging. And country after country after country is being taken over by these so-called populist strongmen, right-wingers, who are seizing control of the media. Viktor Orban in Hungary has basically seized control of the media by having his billionaire buddies literally buy up all the major media in Hungary. For the ones that haven't been bought up, the, the billionaires are buying enormous amounts of advertising in them, so they're completely beholden to the oligarch class in Hungary. And then he did a takeover of their equivalent of national public radio. Well, the same thing is happening in Turkey. The same thing has already happened in Egypt. And we're seeing, you know, Bolsonaro in Brazil and something similar to this is happening in the Philippines. It's happening all over the world. So we're seeing this, this rush to oligarchy. And Donald Trump, of course, represents a piece of that. A billionaire as president of the United States. How is that not an oligarchy? He is an oligarch. We always, you know, we use this word oligarch in reference to people from Russia, right? Which is crazy. We've got oligarchs right here in the United States corrupt billionaires who are corrupting, who are actively and aggressively and, and frankly, proudly corrupting our political process. So, you know, is Trump a traitor or is he committing treason? I'd say both. You may just say he's a traitor. You may just say he's a criminal or a mob boss. I mean, look at what he did yesterday, saying that the whistleblower and the sources for the whistleblower that the whistleblower is collecting this information. First of all, they're saying, oh, you know, it's secondhand information. All right, this is what the Republicans and the senators say. Well, it's a, and, you know, Hannity and Limbaugh and all these guys, oh, it's secondhand information. Right? Of course it is. Therefore, we need to hear from the primary sources. We need to subpoena the people that he's quoting. He says, Barr's up to his eyeballs in this, bring in Barr. He says the, the White House lawyers, uh, Pat Cipollone, uh, or Cipollone, I'm not sure how you say it, and some of these other guys in the White House, bring him in and have him testify. Wouldn't you want that if you think it's, if, you know, it might not be credible because it's secondhand information? Well, yeah, let's get, the, let's get the primary sources. The White House this morning admitted that they're hiding this stuff inside this secure server. They now have a secret server. Isn't that ironic?
Donald Trump, who built his political career on complaining about Hillary Clinton's private server, has his own secret server on which he's hiding, quote, politically sensitive documents. Not national security sensitive, politically sensitive. When did the national security apparatus get into politics? I mean, if it's happened before now, that's a problem. Happening now, that's impeachable. That's, that, that is corruption at an insanely high level. So anyhow, Trump comes out yesterday and he says, this is the equivalent of spying. And you know what we used to do to spies? We used to fry them. I mean, I, he, he didn't say we used to fry them. That was left implicit. But keep in mind, you know, the, 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 the number one lawyer to the mafia in the United States in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s was, was Roy Cohn. He was, he was the, the, the lawyer to the Gigante family. He was the, the, the lawyer to the Traficante family. I mean, he, he, or no, it wasn't Traficante. Who, in any case, he was the lawyer to the two largest New York mob families. He was famous for it. He was proud of it. And he was also the lawyer to Donald Trump, who was a wannabe New York mobster. And the New York mobsters were big in the real estate business. It's a great way to launder money. As you can see, I mean, Trump and his kids bragging, oh, yeah, we got all this Russian money. And it's not just Russian money. We got Saudi money. And, you know, I love the Saudis. They give me $40, $50 million for a condo. Yeah, they bought the entire 45th floor of Trump Tower. It's owned by Saudi Arabia or by Saudis or both. So here he is bragging about, yeah, I'm a mob boss. I'm a made man. So. What, what he was doing yesterday in saying that the whistleblower or his sources or both should be executed is witness tampering. It's a federal felony. I mean, can you imagine if, if, if you were indicted for a crime and you were to go on national television and say, well, the people who are testifying about me, they should be, they should be executed. And keep in mind what happened to like Christine Blasey Ford when Donald Trump tweeted about her. She was, she was getting death threats and stalkers. She had to go, she and her entire family had to go into hiding. Her life is still not back together. So not only is the whistleblower probably in need of the witness protection program, but think about the people who were his sources in the White House who are thinking, okay, my boss, the president of the United States, just called for my death. That is literally tampering with witnesses in a federal investigation. And we know it's a federal investigation because the director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, yesterday told us that they had turned this all over to the FBI. It is currently being investigated. Although the FBI works for Bill Barr, so maybe it's not. Maybe they just turn it over to the FBI and comes to a screeching halt and drops into the, into the wastebasket. But here we are. I mean, this, is, this should be the, the second article of impeachment. And then we need to find out, you know, what, they, what these other people were doing. We, we also need to, you know, one of the things in the whistleblower complaint was that, was that this was not the first time Trump has done this. And that there, you know, now we don't know what this is, right? 
We do know this is specifically said this is not the first time that politically sensitive conversations with foreign leaders have been moved into this ultra secure place. And so what does Russia do? They issue a press release saying, well, I hope that he doesn't release conversations with with President Putin. Which I thought was brilliant. Is this Russia saying, please don't throw us in that briar patch? Like, you know, Trump is no longer useful, or maybe he is, maybe he never was, or, or maybe it's like time to throw him over the, you know, run, run over him with the bus or whatever. I mean, you know, it's a, are they trying to egg us on? Or was this a sincere effort to say, you know, that really should be a privileged communication? Because frankly, it really should be. In fact, the, the president of Ukraine was saying, I thought he was just going to release his side of the conversation. This guy is so humiliated in his own country because now the whole world, including everybody in Ukraine, sees a transcript of him basically saying, Mr. President, may I shine your shoes, please? There's a little speck over here. Let me get it for you. So how did your face look this morning when you looked at the mirror? Wrinkles around the eyes, crow's feet, large under eye bags? You know, you can make them vanish instantly. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like, just like me, but younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you tell them. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TriPlexiderm.com today and use the code TOM at checkout. That's TriPlexiderm.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Was it Rick Wilson wrote the book, Everything Trump Touches Dies? Yeah, so something, a variation on that? Yeah, apparently. And the fact that we've got a guy who is president of the United States who is behaving like John Gotti, who was also represented by Roy Cohn, who was, you know, Donald Trump's guy. So pretty bad stuff. Kenyatta in Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, you have some thoughts on this? I'm getting a little perturbed, and, and I knew this would be an interesting week on your program. I don't always get the chance to catch the whole thing, but I made it a point this week. And yesterday, there were several references and calls and then some of your commentary about Donald Trump uh, being a mob boss. And then later in the program, you said wannabe, and I appreciate you doing that because I want to tell you something real quick. I grew up in an area of Los Angeles with a lot of gangsters. I grew up in a crip set. Now, I was never in a gang. I went to military school and boarded all week because my father was way scarier than the little thugs in the street. But my point is, is this. When it comes to gangsters, you've got to put in work. Donald Trump's never been in a fist fight in his life. He loves the media referring to him as a mob boss. If you know anything about John Gotti, John Gotti, when you're in the, when the mob, you have, to, you have to go through the ranks. You have to put in work. You know what I mean by yeah, put in work? Yeah, he worked his way up. He became a made man by killing people. Exactly. And Donald Trump has probably uh, Donald. Are you kidding me? I, I mean, yeah. it, it just incenses me. Uh, and I know it's trivial, but I wanted to say that. The, the well, second Kenyatta, point I wanted to you make, know, kind of for the record, I would say that he is the boss of a very small crime family. 
I mean, you know, his 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 daughter, his son, his son-in-law, uh, you know, they've all been implicated in numerous crimes, uh, many of which go back to Trump. His dad was mobbed up. Uh, when you see this documentary, when it comes out in a, in a, in a week or three, um, Where's My Roy Cohn, you will see about how his father was really in tight with the mafia in the Queens. And oh, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'd say wannabe mob boss, but he's the head of a very, very small crime family. But he doesn't have the, you know, yeah, he's not a real he's not a real mob boss. Just just like he's well, he's I, I was going to say he's not a real president. Of course, he actually. I was gonna, right listen, great minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, you were just going to say the same thing, right? Uh, yes, I was. He's, but, he, you know, he's an incompetent mob boss and he's an incompetent president. I mean, that's that's what it comes right down to at the end of the day is this guy has neither sense enough or courage enough to run bathwater. And I know you're coming up on a hard break. So let me say this to yeah. you. are the comment uh, which should disturb everyone in this country. And I've been very concerned about this because Donald Trump indirect threats to people. He did it at his rallies when he was a candidate for the presidency. Get that guy out of here. Beat that guy up. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, and his, his comment about what we used to do to people that were spies and traitors. Let me say this. That is very dangerous stuff, because what he was saying was, what miserable drones and traitors have I nourished and brought up in my household who let their Lord be treated in such shameful contempt by a lowborn cleric? Will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? Exactly. All right. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Kenyatta, as, as usual, you put your finger right on the issue there. I appreciate the call. Good talking to you. Thank uh, you. Larry in Coos Bay, Oregon. Hey, Larry, what's on your mind today? As a native New Yorker, I've known the Trump crime family since, well, the early 50s. He was in Queens, and I was in Queens. I lived in Jackson Heights. Hmm. Anyway, someone write a book about Studio 54, Jeffrey Epstein, and Trump's uh, escapades there, and that'll set the evangelicals on fire. But more importantly, I got a suggestion for your savvy listeners out there. If someone wants to organize a march to Washington like the Women's March back in... uh, in January of 2016, just to go in front of the White House and just start yelling, lock him up. I'll bet that's happening right now as we speak, Larry. Well, wherever he goes, wherever Pence goes, just have a contingent of people following him around going, lock him up constantly. You cannot ignore that, and that will damage his credibility. And knowing him, his ego will be deflated. Tom, keep up the good work. Good talking to you, Larry. Thanks a lot for the call. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, you have a critique of Adam Schiff, huh? Uh, Yes, sir. First of all, I want to say that the chairman of the DNI, he already admitted publicly that he compromised protocol. Uh, Mr. Schiff's questions were very weak. Uh, The follow-up questions were weak. Uh, I don't think he did a good background check on the guy that was coming to visit him. His tone, Mr. Schiff's, was very conciliatory. If an impeachment committee, as opposed to the Judiciary Committee, is established to impeach Mr. Trump, I think we're going to lose. And also, Professor, let me end on this. There is no honor among thieves. The House Ways and Means Committee chairman, who is a Democrat, he has not submitted his taxes, uh, tax returns either. And I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't go after Joe Biden's kids. You want to play that game? I guarantee you that Donald Trump Jr. and his sister, they're going to be part of the new cycle in the future. Well, well, you know, they should they certainly should be. And they've already started going after Biden and his kids. It's been it's been they've been pounding this on Fox News and right wing hate radio for a week now. It's going to go into hyperdrive. And frankly, I think it's going to hurt Biden. We'll see. 
But uh, tell Miss Pelosi to go ahead, tell Nancy Pelosi to go ahead and get her acceptance speech ready, because this is going to be the first time a woman is going to become president of the United States. There you go. Talk to you later. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Morris. Sabarish in uh, Seattle. I have a word of caution here. A hallmark of a populist, democratically elected strongman is his supporters have a cynical attitude towards corruption. Right. In this case, say there is ample evidence that uh, the whistleblower is absolutely right. What if the supporters and even the Senate thinks, okay, this guy still has the populist support. People don't care that he was corrupt and he tried to abuse his power, which is against the law. And in a democracy, where do you go from that stance? And the fear I have is this will get so technical so fast that the people will not get it and they will choose not to care. Well, that's exactly what happened with the Mueller investigation. You know, Bill Barr came out and exactly. muddied the waters and lied about it. And then when it came out, there was so much detail, people's eyes glazed over. Exactly. Yeah. And this would happen the same way because it's a very technical case of corruption. Well, in a way, I mean, the, this is the one thing that I think the Intelligence Committee and Adam Schiff kept coming back to this point over and over and over again. The president reached out to a foreign government for help in the election. That's a crime. And then Bill Barr, the attorney general, said, by the way, the evidence of that crime, we're not going to share with Congress, even though the law says we have to. That's a pretty straightforward process. Now, he was trying to pin the director of national intelligence. You know, he's trying to pin that on the guy. And the DNI, of course, you know, he's Mr. McGuire. He's like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go to jail for these guys. I, I did what I thought was the right thing. And I think he conveyed that adequately. But uh, if the Democrats impeach, I don't think they have a choice now. This is such an obvious impeachable stuff. If they impeach, they need to keep to these simple through lines for exactly the reason that you just said, Savarge. I completely agree. And the Biden part of this story. When Ukraine was invaded by Russia, you know, the whole Crimea thing back in 2014, I believe it was, Barack Obama was president of the United States. Joe Biden was vice president. And on a bipartisan basis, Congress authorized a bunch of money. I believe it was around a billion dollars to be given to Ukraine for self-defense against Russia. That money actually never got distributed to Ukraine during the Obama presidency, if the news reports I'm reading have it right. I've read this in three different places now. I don't have personal knowledge of this, first-hand knowledge of this, and I don't remember it happening. I don't, I don't think much of this was out in public. The problem was that even though there was a pro-American or a pro-Western president in Ukraine now, that that guy was fairly corrupt. And the prosecutor in Ukraine, who was supposed to be, you know, sort of their version of our, like Bill Barr, you know, of our, uh, of our attorney general, that person was actually covering up corruption rather than uncovering it. And so Joe Biden starts leaning on him. Joe Biden was put in charge of the whole Ukraine situation by Barack Obama. He went over there a half dozen times. And on one of those trips, his son Hunter went with him, and Hunter suddenly has this job for 50000 bucks a month as a member of the board of directors of, the, of a big natural gas company, a fossil fuel company in Ukraine, which looks like hell. This is not a good thing for Joe Biden or for his campaign. 
And Trump was screaming about this on TV this morning. Oh, they're not looking at Joe, Joe Biden and his son got a million dollars. And, you know, all this kind of, you know, Trump is just like foaming in the mouth about this. And, you know, I get that. It does look bad, but actually it was investigated. This is from the Washington Post. Former top Ukrainian prosecutor whose allegations were at the heart of the dirt digging effort by Rudy Giuliani said Thursday, Hunter Biden did not run afoul of any laws in Ukraine. Yuri Luchenko, the former Ukrainian prosecutor, he says from the perspective of Ukrainian legislation, he did not violate anything. Hunter Biden cannot be responsible, he said. This is the prosecutor, the Ukraine, the, the, you know, the, the, ultimately the good guy prosecutor. Hunter Biden cannot be responsible for violations of the management of Burisma that took place two years before his arrival. So apparently the company was corrupt. I don't know, maybe they thought putting Hunter Biden on the board would clean up their act or something. I don't know. So the show rolls on. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. It is time for impeachment. It is time to get this crook out. And we need to find out. I mean, Mike Pence has been promoting this whole thing, too. How deep is he in this? Tom Hartman here with you. Just got an email, by the way, from Donald Trump. It's incredible. (laughs) I just, you know. Dear Fred Flintstone, Nancy Pelosi formally called for the first step towards my impeachment. This is just another smear job and pathetic attempt by Democrats to rip the power from the people. I've done nothing wrong. Trust me, you saw the transcript. It says that in all caps, by the way. It's time to set something straight once and for all. The Democrats' constant personal attacks, vicious lies, and now these baseless impeachment attacks have never had anything to do with me. Their goal has always been to silence you, Fred. They want to steal your voice. And I'm emphasizing your because it's in all caps. They want to steal your voice and your vote. In fact, I'll raise my voice every time it's all caps. You'll be able to tell. This is only the beginning of yet another nasty witch hunt against me. And we need to fight back bigger and stronger than ever before. To fight back, we launched our official impeachment defense task force. And I need strong American patriots like you to join me. As one of the charter members of my official impeachment defense task force, you will be representing our impeachment defense front for all of Oregon. Remember, all contributions will be double matched, Fred. Note, if you've saved your payment information, your donation will go through immediately. Please contribute $45 to join our official impeachment defense task force, and your gift will be instantly double matched. And then it has all of Fred's information, including his account number and his deadline of 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And double match, not used in red. If you contribute $45, it becomes $135. Contribute $250, it becomes $750. Contribute $100, it becomes $300. This is from Donald Trump. Carol in Germantown, New York. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I'm just really frustrated because it seems to me that... Our president always gets away with everything. Nobody confronts this man. And this, why this transcript is, you know, we're not hearing all the whole thing. Why is anybody surprised? Because he just seems to be able to manipulate people and uh, smooth people so that he gets away with everything and always comes out smelling like a rose. Yeah, I don't think he's smelling like a rose right now. It's very frustrating, let me just say. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of the man getting away with everything and not to be made accountable for the things that he does wrong. 
And I have a feeling a day of reckoning is coming, but whether it's going to be the, the almost 20 women who have on the record credibly accused him of assault, or whether it's the various undocumented immigrants who have worked for him that he has now trashed, or whether it's his involvement with oligarchs in Russia and God only knows who else, and uh, you know, according to Seth Abramson, apparently even you know the Saudis back in 2016 election. I have a feeling that a reckoning is coming. I sure hope it is, Carol, because I share your your concerns. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? Uh, interesting, Tom, that Trump is calling for the leaker to be executed. <laughs> I think he needs to read Matthew chapter seven. That's the verse, measure for measure. So apparently he does believe in uh, the death penalty for treason, but it's not the monarchy that would preside over that trial. It's Congress. And right now, they're busy with his business. Yes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) this is what he does. Actually, uh, not to invoke another uh, Shakespeare reference, but uh, I was just reading about the play Richard II yesterday, and they were talking about how normally kings don't go out and kill people because that's that's the idea in the air that people can be killed. So that's kind of what he just did. He kind of in, endorsed the idea that, well, treason, yeah, you should be killed for that. Yeah. And yet he's the one who's on trial. But the greater point here, Tom, is that the way that Republicans are setting this up, I mean, the more culpable Biden and son might be, the more culpable that makes Trump. I mean, this is an increasing function. Well, this is his argument, Paul. This was his argument against Hillary Clinton. Yeah, of course I'm corrupt, but that, that my opponent is worse. No, <laughs> yeah, seriously, he was—he right. I mean, was like, yeah, he—he he, he said he was—he was admitting that he grabs women, and he was admitting that he was, you know, in shady deals in his business, and he got sued by people, and he didn't pay, and yeah, he committed fraud with his university, he paid twenty-five million. Yeah, that's all true, but Hillary's worse. Well, now he's saying the same the, thing about Biden. Right. And, and the two are uh, actually they're unrelated. I mean, it's, I mean, if, if he went if, if Joe Biden has some corruption and his son, uh, the way Trump about uh, uncovering it is unconstitutional. But note this, this is something no one has brought up. None of this about Biden came out in the Mueller report. Nothing, not a word. Right. So uh, well, that's because it was investigated at the time by both the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government to make sure that it was all squeaky clean. I mean, it looks bad to have the vice president's son getting a showcase job. I but, think it looks bad, but I and I think it's yeah, going it, to hurt it Biden, bad. But Right. But looks bad to who? Looks bad in the current climate of the progressive Democratic. But back it, in the day when bad. the Clintons were becoming multi, multi-millionaires, basically on the back of public service, you know, people just thought, yeah, that's what people do. But yeah. The whistleblower got it from directly inside the administration. That's correct. He was compiling information from multiple sources. And that makes it more credible, not less credible. That's what reporters do. That's what prosecutors do. That's what spies do. You know, you you don't take a single source. If it was one guy who said, hey, I saw this happen, you might be able to discredit that one guy. But if it's one guy saying, well, I got five guys who told me this, and here's their names, and here's the documents to back it up. And by the way, the documents are part of this whistleblower document that you can find on the the New York Times and the Washington Post front page. Yeah, spot on, Paul. Spot on. Thanks a lot for the call. Mark in Oceanside, California. Hey, Mark, what's up? I thought I heard you say earlier that maybe they might have a recording uh, in Ukraine uh, of the phone call with Zelensky. Yes, they suggested that they did because right after the conversation, they posted this thing on their website in Ukrainian or Russian that basically said that Ukraine was going to get together with, with the United States and 
figure out the corruption cases, you know, which is an indirect reference to Hunter Biden. So is there any way the Democrats can get a hold of a copy of that tape? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't, you know, Zelensky's got to be feeling like the man in the middle big time. I mean, he's, you could see yesterday by his face and his body language, he was terrified. On the one hand, he needs the United States if he's going to fend off Russia. On the other hand, if he, if he angers Donald Trump, he's toast because the guy is still present, just like McGuire this morning. Both of them, they're scared of this guy and legitimately so. You know, until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me that there was one that was worth sharing, and well, a year later, I have to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy, and she's kept it off. And now my producer, Sean, is trying Regizone, too. Sean says Regizone is the easiest diet supplement she's ever used. One capsule with breakfast, and forget it. No jitters, no hunger stranglehold, no cravings. And best of all, after a short time on Ridgezone, Sean says her favorite genes are a lot more comfortable again. The only ingredient in Ridgezone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. That appealed to both Louise and Sean, and I'm guessing it will to you too. With Ridgezone, Sean says she feels great and doesn't miss her sugar cravings. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgezone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Riduzone.com. It's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Riduzone.com. Promo code TOM. Riduzone.com. So we have this whistleblower complaint. And uh, I, I already shared with you the part where they say, very first paragraph, this interference includes, among other things, pressuring a foreign country to investigate one of the president's main domestic political rivals. The president's personal lawyer, Mr. Rudy Giuliani, is a central figure in this effort. Attorney General Barr appears to be involved as well. So you've got the president committing a corrupt act, blackmailing, essentially, or, or bribing or extorting. Probably all of those words could be used, depending on how you define this. A foreign country into finding dirt on his political opponent. And just for the record, just so everybody knows, because it's going to be, I mean, this is, this is going to be the perpetual Republican talking point. It came up three or four times when Republicans were, were uh, interrogating the director of national intelligence this morning, that what happened, and, and this is, you know, frankly, unseemly, and this is something the Biden campaign is going to have to deal with. When Ukraine was essentially invaded by a part of Ukraine, Crimea, and eastern Ukraine by Russia, and Crimea was seized by Russia, during the Obama administration, Joe Biden was made the guy who was supposed to deal with the situation in Ukraine on behalf of President Obama. He went over there multiple times. On at least one of those trips, one of his sons went with him, and somehow magically ended up with a job as a member of the board of directors of the largest natural gas company in Ukraine, uh, for which they paid him $50,000 a month. And nobody knows what he did for the next year or two. Or actually, I guess it was right up until this year he was on that board making his $50,000 a month. You know, this at the same time, I suppose, that, that the Obama administration was making a sales pitch for gas as a, as a clean fossil fuel. And there's no evidence. This was investigated by the U.S. government at the time because it looked so bad. The Obama administration investigated this and said, well, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. So I'm assuming 
that Biden's son, that there were no you know, wild things going on on the side, that that stuff would have come out by now if he was leaking secrets from his dad or anything, you know, any of that kind of crazy stuff that they're talking about on Fox. But I'm telling you, this is going to be, it already is. This is the way that they're pounding Joe Biden. And it, it frankly, in my opinion, represents just insanely bad judgment for the vice president of the United States to tolerate his son being on, you know, getting a large paycheck from a, a foreign fossil fuel company in a country that is noted for its corruption. And frankly, Biden's son would not have been on that board and would not be getting that 50 grand a month if he wasn't the son of the vice president. And that looks corrupt. So Biden's gonna have to deal with this. This, this is a, one of the front page stories in the Financial Times today was about how the winner in this whole thing will be Elizabeth Warren because you know it's it's making Joe Biden look bad because of what I just described to you. It's also making Trump look like a criminal. We just have to deal with the electoral politics and primary politics of all that. And I'm troubled by it, troubled by what Biden's son did, but but more f frankly troubled by by how Fox and the Republicans are, are trying to well, and and how how Donald Trump reached out to the president of Ukraine and said we want some. We want you to either find or come up with. I mean, he didn't use those, those phrases, but uh, Ukraine, I mean, they got it very clearly. You read the transcript, uh, which I shared with you yesterday. You read that transcript and, you know, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, says, you know, I'd like some weapons. We're, we're ready to buy these, these weapons, that, uh, these anti-tank missiles, uh, you know, which specifically was tanks that came across the border, right? And, and. Trump's response is, give me dirt on Biden. Now, what's the president of Ukraine supposed to think? I, I suppose we should find some. Maybe we should make some. I mean, the guy was just, you know, he was trying to suck up to Trump as much as he could. He was under attack. His country's under attack from another country. And we're their, we're their, their source of weaponry. And, and the president of the United States is saying, no, you're not going to get that unless you tell me something nasty about Joe Biden and his son. It continues, the whistleblower complaint. It continues, the Ukrainian side was the first to publicly acknowledge the phone call. On the evening of 25 July, a readout was posted on the website of the Ukrainian president that contained the following line. This is translated from the Russian language readout. Quote, Donald Trump expressed his conviction that the new Ukraine government will be able to quickly improve Ukraine's image and complete the investigation of corruption cases that have held back cooperation between Ukraine and the United States. Now, that's a fairly explicit, well, in fact, the next sentence of the whistleblower report, aside from the above-mentioned cases purportedly dealing with the Biden family and the 2016 election, I was told by White House officials that no other cases were discussed. In other words, when the president of Ukraine posts on his website that he's going to solve the the, the uh, corruption problem in Ukraine that has, quote, held back cooperations between Ukraine and the United States, end quote. What he's talking about is finding or manufacturing dirt on Joe Biden and his son. He goes on to say in the whistleblower report, participation in the call had not been restricted in advance because everyone expected it to be a routine call with a foreign leader. Now, which raises a really interesting question. Why is it that Donald Trump has this 
phone call with the president of Ukraine. It was set up, you know, presumably a few days in advance. Um, nobody was told, look out, this is going to get freaky or weird. Don't make a transcript. I don't want anyone listening. As apparently has happened with some of his calls with Putin, and we'll get to that in, a, in just a minute, and possibly other world leaders. You Kim, Xi, who knows, right? Uh, Bolsonaro, uh, Orban, uh, Erdogan, Modi. I mean, he's got a bunch of, you know, right-wing autocrat buddies. So anyhow, the question, the first question is, why is it that this, quote, routine call, everybody was expecting this to be a routine, routine call. Why is it that the president suddenly, that Donald Trump suddenly blurts out, oh, you want some missiles? Give me something on Biden. Why did he do it on that day, on July 25th? Well, it turns out on July 24th, Fox News, which Donald Trump watches six, eight hours a day, Fox News reported a poll showing that Biden was beating Trump by 10 points. And they talked about it all day long. So Trump had to just totally have his panties in a wad. He had to be just flipped out by this. Oh my God, Biden's beating me? And it's on Fox News, for goodness sake? I've got to get some dirt on Biden immediately. And he's so impulsive and so incapable of self-discipline that he just blurts this out. And he, and he talks about this weird conspiracy theory that is essentially Robert, Roger Stone's defense. In you know He's going to court shortly as a consequence of uh, stuff that was found during the Mueller investigations. Let's keep in mind, all, you know, a bunch of people are in prison because of the Mueller investigation. Yes, he did find crooks, and he did nail them. Among them, Michael Cohen and Michael Flynn. And, of course, Paul Manafort, the campaign manager, who used to work in Ukraine. What a surprise. So anyway, the, the, you know, this happens. And then it goes on. In the days following the phone call, this is where it gets wild. In the days following the phone call, I learned from multiple U.S. officials, the senior White House officials had intervened to, quote, lock down, end quote, all records of the phone call, especially the official word-for-word -word transcript of the, of the call that was produced. Now, this is where, so first of all, Fox News says Trump is 10 points behind Biden. All day long, they pound it. The next day, Trump has an opportunity to talk to the president of Ukraine, and, and he knows that Biden has some, uh, what might be characterized as unsavory history with Ukraine, in as much as his son was getting 600000 bucks a year from, from a fossil fuel company there. And so Trump says to the, to the president of Ukraine, you know, A, find some dirt. B, then he goes off on this weird thing about CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is the company that came in and inspected the DNC servers and said, you know, yeah, you've been hacked. And by the way, it was Russia. At which point the DNC calls the FBI and the FBI and the National Security Agency and the CIA, and they all come in and look at it. And all the intelligence agencies agree. Yeah, the Russians hacked the DNC server. But the Russians are continuing to deny this for good reason. They've got, they're under sanctions that specifically are based on the allegation that they did that. If they own up to it, then, they have, then they're stuck with the sanctions. 
So they're saying, oh, that wasn't us. So how do the Russians get out from underneath this? Well, if Trump can get the Ukrainians to prove that CrowdStrike was wrong and that U.S. intelligence was wrong and that it wasn't Russia, maybe it was some guy weighing 400 pounds in his, on his, sitting on his bed in Ukraine. And this is the theory that Sean Hannity and Fox News have been pushing since April. So Trump brings that up, the CrowdStrike thing. And I mean, this is this is just and then and then and then we discover and this is the killer. This is the thing that, frankly, if I was running the, the hearing this morning, I would have said to all the Democrats, I would have gotten all the Democrats together and I would have said two words. You want to get these two words in at least every third sentence. Secret server. Secret server. Trump and the Republicans went after Hillary Clinton for having a server in her house for her, an email server for, you know, her private correspondence. They blew it up into this huge issue, and I'm not going to get into the details of all that, but they just, you know, all about that. Well, it turns out, back to the, back to the uh, whistleblower complaint, in the days following the phone call, I learned from multiple U.S. officials that senior White House officials had intervened to lock down all records of the phone call, especially the official word-for-word -word transcript of the call that was produced by the White House Situation Room. This set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. So this is the moment where the people working in the White House go, holy, holy cow, we just heard the President of the United States commit a felony and commit treason. Then he goes on. White House officials told me they were directed, and the word directed is in quotes, by White House lawyers. This is going to get interesting. Remember how many people went to prison from the Nixon administration? John Mitchell, his attorney general, spent 19 months in prison. White House officials told me they were directed by White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system in which such transcripts are typically stored for coordination, finalization, and distribution to cabinet-level officials. Instead, the transcript was loaded into a separate electronic system that is otherwise used to store and handle classified information of an especially sensitive nature. It's a secret server. The whistleblower goes on. One House White House official described this act as an abuse of this electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive from a national security perspective. So they were hiding it. The guys in the White House Situation Room, the guys, the, the, well, it was all under the direction of the White House lawyer. Now, this, now you know why Don McGahn got the hell out of town. He used to be the White House lawyer. And we don't know which lawyers working for Donald Trump in the White House ordered this. But this is absolutely shocking. And then it gets into our, the U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine negotiations, Kurt Volker. This is just breathtaking what's going on. This is, I believe this is the end of the Trump presidency. The question is, Bill, Bill Barr going to go to prison? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Is this White House lawyer going to go to jail? Mike Pence seems to be involved in this, too. Is he going to be impeached? What about the Secretary of State? Then he starts talking about Kurt Volker. Probably no relation to the Volker rule, the former chair of the Fed. 
On July 26th, this is the day after Trump talked to the president of Ukraine and basically threatened him with a loss of defensive weaponry if he didn't find dirt on Biden and his son. The day after the call, U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine Negotiations Kurt Volker visited Kiev and met with President Zelensky and a variety of Ukrainian political figures. Ambassadors Volker and Sandlan reportedly provided advice to the Ukrainian leadership about how to, quote, navigate, end quote, the demands that the president had made of Mr. Zelensky. This guy needs to be before Congress. I also learned from multiple U.S. officials that on or about 2 August, now this is the next week, right, or just within the following week, Mr. Giuliani reportedly traveled to Madrid to meet with one of President Zelensky's advisors, Andriy Yermak. The U.S. officials characterized this meeting, which was not publicly reported at the time, as a, quote, direct follow-up, end quote, to the president's call with Mr. Zelensky about the, quote, cases they discussed, end quote. In other words, it was all about getting dirt on Biden or manufacturing dirt on Biden. Separate multiple U.S. officials told me that Mr. Giuliani had reported privately, had reportedly privately reached out to a variety of other Zelensky advisors. And then they name a bunch of, you know, Ukrainian kind of Russian sounding names. And then, and then this from Donald Trump. On August 9th, now this is the following week, right after the meeting in Madrid, the president told reporters, quote, I think President Zelensky is going to make a deal with President Putin and he will be invited to the White House. And we look forward to seeing him. In other words, he's saying to Zelensky, you want to come visit me? Make a deal with Putin first. This is shocking. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know, I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high. It, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think is the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Naturals CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-Leafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM. It's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. That's newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. Code TOM. It's spelled T-H-O-M. Newleafnaturals.com. Tom Harmon here with you. There's a couple of things that I wanted to just lay on the table and have a conversation with you about. The director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, testified before the House Intelligence Committee, chaired by Adam Schiff and the ranking member, the kind of number two guy, is uh, Devin Nunes, the famous toady and lapdog of uh, Donald Trump, who is currently involved in suing, as I recall, a fictitious cow. Anyhow... <laughs> God save us all. Um, so they held this hearing, and McGuire essentially said, uh, yes, I was given this whistleblower report that says that uh, the president committed treason, my word, not his. I'm perfectly willing to call this treason. In fact, let me just back up on this a little bit and put McGuire in context as well. This guy was a Navy SEAL for 30-some-odd years. 
worked his way up through the chain of command. He was not a spy. He didn't work for the NSA or the CIA or any of the intelligence services. He was in the Navy. He retires from the military, joins up with the Republican Party. Yes, I'm a good Republican. And Donald Trump reaches out and said, would you be my acting director of national intelligence just for a while? You don't have to get confirmed by the Senate or anything. You can just be acting. And, you know, it's a good gig. And McGuire goes, he said this in his testimony. I'm not the most well-qualified guy for this job. And the Trump administration says, yeah, but we'd like you. And he says, okay, I'll do my duty. I've done my duty my whole life. I see a flag, I salute it. Or a senior officer in this case, the president, the commander in chief. And so he's on the job about a week. He's been on the job for 41 days. Today was his 41st day on the job. I don't know if that's business days or total days, but he's been on the job for about a week. And the inspector general, now inspector generals, this is the inspector general for the intelligence community. Inspector generals are sort of like internal affairs with the police department. You know, we, we've all watched cop shows and the cops all hate the guys in internal affairs, according to the cop shows. I mean, I have no personal knowledge of this, but this is, you know, you see this on TV, it's such a cliche, right? Internal affairs, oh, did you hit that guy too hard? You know, it's uh, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, and internal affairs is snooping around trying to make sure that everything's on the up and up. Well, you have that same thing in big government bureaucracies, you know, like the State Department and the, and the intelligence community and, the, and, the, and et cetera, et cetera. Only that person is not called internal affairs. That person is called inspector general. And one person is basically in charge of a whole staff who does investigations and all kinds of stuff. So the inspector general for the intelligence community, he's overseeing, you know, the entire, I think it's 17 or 19 intelligence agencies. The inspector general for the intelligence community is the guy who the intelligence community whistleblower act. This is a law passed 30, 40 years ago that says basically if a whistleblower in the intelligence community wants to blow the whistle, they can't just go to some other agency. They can't go to the Department of Justice. After all, they're in the intelligence community. They're spies. They've got all this secret information. They can't go outside the intelligence community to say, hey, something bad is going on here. So they created this position of inspector general. The inspector general, the top cop for the intelligence agency, the inspector general gets this whistleblower report that says that Donald Trump has committed treason. Now, we have never in the history of this republic had a president who was accused of collaborating with a foreign power to get himself elected or reelected in this case or elected in 2016 you know saying russia if you're listening get those get hillary's emails and boom there they are what a surprise so he's hey that worked in 2016 let's try it again in 2020 well this time we're going to go to ukraine now, I mean, the closest, literally, the closest we've ever gotten to this, to the best of my knowledge, and I'm pretty good with history, were the attacks, the partisan attacks that were made against John Adams when he was running for president in 1796, and against Thomas Jefferson when he was running for president in 1800. And the attacks were, you know, the ones against John Adams were, well, you know, he, he defended that British soldier who killed Crispus Atticus and a couple of other people in the Boston Massacre. He defended that guy. And Adams gets all indignant and he says, yes, I did. That's the right thing to do. Everybody is entitled to a defense. That's the cornerstone of American jurisprudence. That's the law. And Adams defends himself as being noble for doing that, which he was. But there were a lot of people who thought, okay, he's, he's loyal to the crown. 
You can't trust this guy. So Adams was very controversial. And then along comes Jefferson. Now Jefferson lived for a number of years in France. He was a US envoy to France. He spoke French. He was fluent in French by the time he was 12 years old. He loved French wines. He loved French food. So when he was running in 1800, it was like, oh no, he's got mixed loyalties. His best friend is, is uh, Lafayette, a Frenchman, a French uh, officer, military officer and diplomat. We can't trust Jefferson. That's as close as we ever got. And, you know, and it was all out in the open and people were like, you know, talking about it, but, you know, it didn't spin the elections. But we've never had a president accused of treason like this. And here's this guy, Joe McGuire, who's his first week or two on the job, and this thing drops in his lap, the biggest bombshell in the history of the United States. Saying that the guy who, who is perfectly willing to essentially tell his right-wing troll armies, go out and kill somebody or threaten to kill somebody. You know, when Trump was tweeting against Christine Blasey Ford, she's getting death threats. She has to go into hiding. And she's not the only one who has been on the receiving end of this because of a Trump tweet. And so this guy is, is so, you know, McGuire, he's, you know, and he didn't say this explicitly, but you look at the guy, he was just squirming. He was like so uncomfortable. The law says that if you're the director of national intelligence and the attorney and the inspector general for the intelligence service says, here's a credible whistleblower complaint, you have to give that to the oversight committee for intelligence. That's the, you know, the, the intelligence, the house intelligence committee. You have to give that to them within seven days. The word shall is in the law. It's not optional. So he's like, okay, if I give this to the house without telling the white house about it, Trump is going to be seriously pissed off. You know, look at what happens to people where, where that happens. On the other hand, if I don't give it to the House, I'm breaking the law. And I could go to jail. What do I do? What would you do? So he says, okay, you know, I've been a soldier for almost 40 years. I understand chain of command. I need to take this to a lawyer. But, the, you know, I need to take it to a lawyer who's above me in the chain of command. And there's only two. There's the lawyers for the White House, and there's the lawyers for the Justice Department, who are arguably not above him in the chain of command. They're, they're sort of his peers, but not quite. I mean, Director of National Intelligence is not a cabinet position, so it's, he's not quite the, the equal of Bill Barr. He's, he's subordinate, arguably, lower down in the pecking order. So he's got this whistleblower complaint saying that the president is guilty of treason, and by the way, I'm, this is quoting from the whistleblower. This interference includes, among other things, pressuring a foreign country to investigate one of the president's main domestic political rivals. The president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is a central figure in this effort. Attorney General Bill uh, Barr appears to be involved as well. So he takes the complaint to Barr and to Trump or Trump's people. He says, what do I do with this? And shockingly, Bill Barr the guy that William Sapphire back in 1992 called cover-up General Barr. If you have a New York Times subscription, just plug that into their search engine with the year 1992. It'll blow your mind, William Sapphire's columns about, about Bill Barr and his, his cover-up efforts with regard to Iran-Contra. He was doing it throughout the year. It's mind-boggling, which is why Trump brought him back. 
So surprise, surprise, Bill Barr says, oh, don't worry, you don't have to give that to Congress. Now, the inspector general knows the law. He knows that McGuire is supposed to give this to Congress, and seven days goes by, and Congress doesn't have it, and the inspector general is starting to freak out. And, you know, it's a little hazy here exactly what happened next, whether the inspector general leaked this or whether the inspector general went to, went to the intelligence committee and one of them leaked it or, or some reporters just got it from a leak inside the White House, which is, frankly, I think the most likely what happened. But the New York Post, and the Washington Times and NBC News all break this story. That the director of national intelligence is sitting on a charge from a whistleblower, and now they're starting to say that they think this whistleblower is a CIA guy, that Trump committed treason, and that Giuliani and Barr were in on it, and that they hid the evidence on a secret server, and that this isn't the first time they did it. And all hell breaks loose, and so he's just, he's, he's just like squirming there. He's like, uh, you know, I don't want to go to jail. I mean, if he, he's trying so hard not to admit that he held this up and violated the law. And at the same time, so he doesn't go to jail, and, but at the same time, he's trying so hard to say, yeah, I, I read this, I, I, you know, I know what this guy said, and I, I think it's credible. It's solid. Yeah, it does look like Trump committed treason. And Bill Barr and Rudy Giuliani helped him. And then Trump comes out, you know, this, this whistleblower should get the death penalty. He said, and, uh, and I quote, this was at a closed event, no reporters. This was to the UN staff. He says, I, I want to know who's the person who gave the whistleblower the information because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do? I'm quoting Trump here, word for word. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart with spies and treason, right? We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. Trump's lawyer was Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn was the guy who directed the prosecution of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. And even though there was literally no evidence that Ethel Rosenberg knew that her husband was giving secrets to the Russians, Roy Cohn prosecuted her and asked for the death penalty and she was strapped into the electric chair along with her husband. They both died. Roy Cohn, that made his career. And then he became Trump's lawyer, along with the, you know, the two biggest mob families in New York. It's an amazing story. And now Trump is saying, yeah, we should kill this whistleblower, too, essentially. I mean, if this isn't impeachable, nothing is impeachable. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Carbon Cruise will be sailing in July of 2020. The seven-day Oceana Cruise will be going to Bermuda, and I'll be hosting onboard events about the topics of the day. More info at TomHartman.com or 800-856-1155.